Flavor Odyssey is brought to you by Drew Estate, the rebirth of cigars, and Smokin' Cigars, voted number one in selection and customer service. A Flavor Odyssey. And now from Cigar Dojo Studio Lot B, your hosts, Robbie Raz and Randy Griggs. And the Odyssey continues. What's up, Dojo Nation? Welcome to another episode of Flavor Odyssey. I'm your host, Robbie Raz. This is our co-host, Randy Griggs, coming to you live. Randy, live from Lot B and Lot B minus out here in sunny, warm, beautiful California. Randy, how are you today? Man, I am doing spectacular. I am on fire. I'm ultra excited about this rapper. I'm ultra excited about this in the next two episodes. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to roll, man. You know, I've realized, I, that's great, by the way. Uh, I've realized that uh, I wear this hat almost every week on this show. I think you wear that hat every day of your life, is what I assume. That's not true. <laughs> That's not true. I, I, I have a, a vast selection of hats, but this well, is really the only this is really the only cigar hat that I have left. I had a ton back in the day. They all got lost in a move or something. I don't know what happened, but uh, this is like the only one I've got. And this is uh, it's from my man Miguel and uh, and John Huber over at Crowned Heads. And uh, this Randy La Coalition was a collaboration between Crowned Heads and. The fine folks over at Drew Estate, show sponsor of Flavor Odyssey. Uh, we appreciate everything uh, that the folks, uh, most of the folks at Drew Estate, the ones who do their research. We really appreciate, uh, Jack, we love you too. Um, but we appreciate yeah. Drew Estate for sponsoring the show. Um, that was maybe a little, in, maybe, maybe too far of an inside joke for uh, folks who, I mean, I think maybe only like 130% of the folks got that one. That might have been a little too. So I felt like I should clarify. Uh, I don't want anybody to think I have beef with somebody at Drew State. I love those guys. Well, you know, Jack. <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, he's, yeah, you just kind of, except for Jack, it's kind of the caveat. Uh, I mean, no offense. Love the guy. Love the guy, Jack. You do great work. You are a phenomenal research assistant. Um, it's, uh, it's just, you do, you're doing grand things, buddy. Uh, anyway, this has gone on too long. We are uh, moving our way through the Corojo wrapper, Randy. We'll get into what we're smoking. Rapper Randy, that sounded that was fun to say. I liked that. Well, it's like alliteration, but not because they don't start with the same letter. Um, let me check in with the boys in Colorado. What's happening out there, fellas? Uh, wow. Oh, sorry. What a what a what a week, Jordan. What a week. Woof. It's been a crazy week, and we are excited to be doing Rye and Corojo with you boys tonight. But me and Jordan are a bit distracted, but gosh, I couldn't be more excited to be here tonight drinking some High West Double Rye. I don't just drink rye. I drink double friggin' rye, Jordan. Double rye. The uh, Camacho Corojo Distillery Edition. Nice. 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 Tasting mighty fine. I like it. And, and, and course, are you pairing with anything? Topo Chico. And I have the same. What what ride? I have a Knob Creek ride. Oh. Randy, you have Knob Creek ride too, right? I have a Knob Creek ride, and you know, I, I gotta say, you know, this whole flavor journey. I came into this knowing a lot about beer. It's, I'm really excited. Randy, about, it's an Odyssey. It's an Odyssey. Uh, Odyssey is actually a synonym for the word journey. It's how we came up with the name of the show. Pay attention, please. Um, <laughs> uh, so, something I was saying that we used a thesaurus and just looked for another word. Is that what you're telling everybody? That's not how did? it happened, Randy. And that's literally what There's happened. A lot more science I, involved. <laughs> oh, Our no, no, creative you're, you're, process you're, you're, is far <laughs> is far more sophisticated than that. But please continue. 
Yes, yes. Well, what I was going to say is I'm really looking forward to to these episodes as uh, as I'm still fairly novice in uh, in spirits, and I look forward to learning a lot from Rob. Um, and uh, you know, Rob, Rob makes a, a habit of being a spirit connoisseur uh, for a lot longer than I have. Um, and then who knows? Maybe uh, maybe Eric and Jordan will chime in. Jordan, I got to give him credit. He Uh-oh. is a little bit of a encyclopedia of within the portfolio of spirit manufacturers and spirit uh, uh, extensions, line extensions, because as I'm learning, a lot of these brands actually come from, um, you know, one big distillery that makes, uh, you know, Evan Williams also makes the Pappy, also makes the Buffalo Trace, you know, whatever it is. Um, But uh, Jordan has an exceptional knowledge of knowing the difference. I'll probably fail at the first thing (laughs) Well, well, the Four Roses was one that that comes to mind when I was looking for a Four Roses you had recommended, and you you like ranked like seven different Four Rose uh, Four Roses bourbons. Like, well, I like the the barrel select, but then there's the single, you know, whatever. I don't know them. Four but, Roses but, single barrel barrel proof program is like the best kept secret. I mean, it's not a secret, but wait, Jordan, there's a kind of a confusing thing because there's Very Four Roses single barrel. And then there's four ounces single barrel barrel proof. They come in the same bottle. Same bottle. Same bottle. Just one's like a slightly different shade of gold, and one of them has a leather band around its neck. The leather mm-hmm. band one, eh, it's okay. Single barrel. It's okay. Barrel proof. You're going to get – four roses is very unique in that they have ten different recipes. Most distilleries only have, like, two. Uh, yeah. Because they have, I believe, two different mash bills and, like, five different uh, yeast strains. And they uh. can make – and so with this barrel proof – program you're going to be able to taste all of those different recipes which they normally just blend together to give you the small batch or or the single barrel or not single barrel uh, but most of everything they have is a blend of some of those 10 recipes but the barrel proof program you can actually try like every single bottle you get is going to be wildly different I, wow. Robbie had a yeast strain once. And I, t- <laughs> I took him to the doctor got some little penicillin. Shot of penicillin cleared it right up. Yeah. But, but that, that's what I mean. And so I, I just wanted to point out I'm excited about the spirit and uh, and cocktail uh, episodes of Flavor Odyssey is uh, I'll be learning a lot myself. And so uh, so I'm excited to hear a little uh, tidbit of, of knowledge about rye today. Yeah, we're doing a little uh, role reversal. A little, uh, I wouldn't go so far as to say role playing, but I'll say hey. a little role reversal. Hey, now. Have you ever played Dungeons and Dragons? That'd be a negative ghostwriter. No. Yeah, you don't know. You guys don't. Jordan, maybe. No. No. Oh, goodness. No. Yeah. I never played it either. I always wanted to, but I never had any friends who wanted to. So I was, I was the nerd in my, my friend group. <laughs> Jordan's an But I keep soul. getting, I keep getting, uh, so like he reads poetry or what? Yeah, maybe. He's <laughs> a renaissance man. Um, I keep getting these uh, ads for this documentary about Dungeons and Dragons and I said role-playing, and that's what popped into my head. Anyway, uh, we're going to switch roles a little bit because a couple weeks ago when we talked about potentially having Scotch as a pairing, Randy, I'm going to throw you into the bus here a little bit. Randy texted back and said, Scotch, isn't that the smoky one? And I said, <laughs> yeah. Said, yeah, maybe I should maybe I should talk about the spirits. Yes, yeah, some Scotches are smoky. Um, anyway, let's get into uh, today's pairing. Uh, Randy, we are smoking... El Wente from uh, Nicholas Melillo and the fine folks at Foundation Cigars. Uh, they make some pretty by oh, the fine, fine folks at Smoke In, uh, our online uh, cigar retailer of choice for Flavor Odyssey. Indeed. Well said. Well said. Uh, so, yeah, good stuff coming out of Foundation. And as uh, the, the bag has already been... Uh, Opened, cats out of it, spilled, whatever. Wow. Um, we're, going with, <laughs> we're going with rye. The bag's open uh, and the cat is out of it. Cat's out of the, cat's the, bag, on the counter. The did you, ever, did you guys ever wonder where that phrase come from? Like, what, somebody was, like, keeping the cats in a bag or something, and, like, the cat got yeah. out of the bag? And Usually what? cats want to get in the bag, yeah, in I my mean, experience. Yeah, I don't get that. You bring a bag yeah. or a box home, they go right in there. Yeah. I, I don't have cats. I don't like cats. I mean, they're they're fine, but I, I, somebody posted a picture of uh, of their cat recently on the dojo, and, and I said, "Why do cats always look like they're just planning your demise?" It's because because they are like they, they are. just always look like they'll look at you and they're just kind of like, mm-hmm. 
Your time's coming, buddy. Oh, especially if you get like two cats. Never get two cats because then they team up against you and you'll never see them and they'll just be doing evil things together. (laughs) My cat cat caught a mouse today. Today. Caught a mouse. Wow, nice. In my kitchen. Earning its weight in my kitchen. I like it. Yeah. It's crazy. So they're not all bad. They're not all bad, Robbie. Like in that case, that's like a good thing. Like, boom. I always had cats uh, growing up, but I just. I, I, that's one thing we do get, uh, we, uh, our house backs to a, an open space. So we get a lot of critters running around. That would be a nice thing to have, uh, to have a cat around for. Anyway, I don't know why we're talking about this. Um, we're, we're pairing Elway Wednesday with Elway Wednesday with some rye. Uh, I put it to a vote on Facebook and on the dojo. Um, I gave three options, went with, uh, I had angels envy rye, which is very, very good. Randy, that does not look like a rye. Uh, it, it might be a rye, uh, IPA or something. Um, Angels, Angels Envy Rye uh, had the Whistle Pig Rye, Old World Rye, 12 year, and uh, Michter Straight Rye. The vote winner by one was the Michter Straight Rye. Randy, what does Straight Rye mean? We'll get into that in a minute. What are you drinking? Uh, I am going with, um, uh, as you pointed out, uh, Knob Creek Single Barrel, uh, local, um, a local tavern if you will a friend of mine in sacramento he has a a great liquor store and on-premise little beer uh, craft beer bar he's got this amazing whiskey club that he's part of and they do trips out to different uh, distilleries and he took the group out on a trip to knob creek where they got to wine thief uh through several different barrels and literally do their barrel selection um at which point he bought the whole barrel uh, had it all bottled up. They sent him the barrel. He sent it to a local brewery who filled it with a stout, sold him back the stout. And I'm trying to capture one of those barrels to then send to Central America for tobacco. And then how killer would that be if we got to taste the spirit, the beer, and the cigar that all went through one single barrel? That I think that'd be, be a, that'd, that'd be a be fun, like, it's a lot of logistics involved. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> a bit. <laughs> It's not. not it, I got the idea. Obviously, as uh, Cigar Dojo has done, um, done that now. I, um, we did I it. Think we did, you we, did that. We got a private tour through the High West Distillery, the new one that hadn't even opened yet. Got to do the wine thieves and everything. That's awesome. That's fun. Sounds like a fun project. I'd love to be part of that one day. That was back when we were going to do a uh, Cigar Dojo uh, bourbon, and then uh, we just found out after creating our blend and everything that the spirits world was just too hard to tackle so we gave up <laughs> it's gonna be a, a custom tailored cigar made blended to pair with the, the bourbon which wow. I, I think we should let's revive that project that that's sounds actually right. what it was called that's funny you said that yeah is that <laughs> for, no, I, it was i've said too revived. much i've said too much oh, my goodness I, well i think we should bring it back to life uh that's that's my vote anyway uh, Randy, I am drinking out of a glass that is older than everybody here except for one person. Oh, I think. <laughs> Thank you, Robbie. Thank you. Look at that. That's from the, uh, was that the bicentennial? Centennial, baby. I can still remember uh, that just like it was yesterday, Robbie. I sat in my parents' backyard and a parade went down the street behind my house as a kid. The bicentennial parade. Like, to me, I, there's people watching that are probably like, whoa, really? But, like, I literally, to me, that just seems like like yesterday, like uh, bicentennial, and here we are, man. I mean, and I always wondered at the time, like, will I be here for the tricentennial? Pretty sure I won't be. Oh, I might. <laughs> By then, you know, I won't. people won't be, uh, humans will be robots, so we won't die. So I'll, <laughs> yeah, Yeah, actually, we could all just be plugged into machines and... Matrix. Got it. <laughs> All right. This is getting depressing. <laughs> yeah, let's get into this. I'm too excited about this episode to keep up all this small talk. All right. Let's go. All right, Randy. Tell us about the cigar. Oh, all right. Fantastic. Okay, so we'll start with the cigar then. Uh, El Huehuense. <clears throat> El Huehuense comes, uh, the word itself comes from, uh, uh, it is not Spanish. It is Niwatl. It is Niwatl, which is a... Um, a Kind of an uh, old tribe from Nicaragua. Uh, El Huehuense was the name of a play. Uh, it was a street play that was done in the early 1500s. 
that depicted a uh, an original Nicaraguan man who uh, was against Spanish rule and came up with this whole uh, plan to evade taxes by convincing the Spanish governor to have uh, his daughter marry the governor's son. And, and the whole thing was it was a tax evasion ploy. And, and for whatever reason, you know, the, the way the story goes, the, the cunningness, the savvy, like, like trickery of outsmarting the Spanish um, you know, colonists who had taken over Nicaragua at the time in the 1500s was really something that the Nicaraguan culture and people uh, bonded to and, 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 you know, held a great pride of them being, uh, you know, kind of, they might've been taken over, but they were going to kind of undo things from the inside. And so there was this like, kind of like, yeah, we're going to get you, you know, we're, we're craftier and smarter and savvier than you kind of vibe to it. And so every Wednesday, the play uh, became, um, a, a national um, uh, ki- kind of a pillar of, of the culture to a point where in 2005 the United Nations actually declared uh, the play a, a national play of some sort. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know what the term is, but they certified it as like this is a piece of Nicaraguan culture yeah 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 so so it got kind of certified in 2005 and so um so it's something that the nicaraguan people and culture it it means a lot to them the characters from the play mean a lot to them and so uh nicholas melillo of foundation cigars uh i believe lives full-time or at for a good portion of his adult life has lived full-time in nicaragua uh fell in love with 11 years straight Perfect. Thank you. Uh, and we've all heard him, you know, you know, in interviews talk about, you know, his his absolute love for uh, for the Nicaraguan culture. And so when he got an opportunity to begin his own brand, he wanted to, you know, put uh, a flair of Nicaragua and his passion for the country and for its culture uh, into his brand. As a matter of fact, the the foundation uh, logo actually has the Nicaragua, um, the emblem from the Nicaraguan flag is what that triangle is. Um, and, and so, you know, he, he's tied his brand very, very tightly and closely to Nicaraguan culture. And so, uh, so this was the debut cigar from, uh, from foundation and El Wiense, uh, roughly translates to the wise man. Um, again, referencing the trickery uh, of this merchant, uh, who, who was uh, trying to evade taxes. So, um, so it is a, uh, all Nicaraguan puro, um, uh, utilizing Corojo 99 in the wrapper, also a Corojo 99 binder, and the filler is made up of a combination of Criollo 98 and Corojo 99 tobaccos, uh, all exclusively coming from Aganor Salif there in uh, Nicaragua, <laughs> and they also um, are uh, contracted to produce this specific cigar. Um, so it's not only their tobaccos, they're actually producing it for Nick. To his specifications. And uh, to me, this is, uh, I don't know. For me, everything, we've, we've talked about this for a few weeks, that the Corojo episodes are going to just be, I mean, yeah. one one absolutely phenomenal premium cigar after another. Uh, this, to me, it's one of my top three or five cigars in the world. Uh, to me, this is like... When I started getting into cigars and really understanding the difference between Dominican, Honduran, and Nicaraguan tobaccos, this to me is what I think of when I think of the aroma of Nicaraguan tobacco specifically and Corojo specifically to that matter, for that matter. Um, so super excited about uh, smoking this cigar today and getting back into some of the information um, about the historical and genetic makeup of Corojo and Criollo and um, where these two tobaccos that are so dominant in so many blends that we all talk about and get excited about all the time, um, where they play right now, uh, where they came from. And, um, obviously it was a fantastic conversation with Dion last week about it, but, uh, but why don't you go ahead and tell us about the rye and then we can go back into, uh, talking about Corojo a little bit specifically. Yeah. Uh, well, I think it's, it, you said something interesting in there when you said that this is what, like this is the aroma and the flavor profile you think of when you think of Nicaraguan tobacco. That to me is really, really interesting. 
And like when this cigar came out, <clears throat> there were people who were very disappointed because Nick had blended the Ligas, the Liga 9, T52, and they were expecting that. And this is not that. This is very different. Um, but you didn't, this, well, I was going to say you didn't know any better. And that would have been rude. Um, so I won't say it. It was, uh, <laughs> but no, but, but you, you see it through a different lens. Like you yeah. see this as, wow, these are the kind of cigars that Nick makes. But at, and the same thing with Sokka when he came out with uh, Sober Mesa. Um, that was the first one, right? Yeah, Sober Mesa. It was kind of like everybody was expecting the second cigar that they both came out with. Yeah, I think they which both I think had they to both... do that intentionally. Like, I'm not just that, you know. Yeah, like, I think they did the right thing. Up my sleeve. Absolutely. But it's, I just thought it was it was interesting for you to say, like, this is what you think of. This is not what I think of when I think of Nicaraguan tobacco. My It's it's what I think of when I think of what I enjoy about Nicaraguan tobacco. But I, I still, and it's just because that's this is in my DNA as a cigar smoker, I grew up, so to speak, on the double, triple Lajero, uh, that Esteli Lajero black pepper spice bomb Nicaraguan flavor. And that's what I initially attribute that to so i just thought that was curious well it, it's interesting and and jordan if you want to go uh for a foreman for for this correct me if i'm wrong guys but i believe in listening to the the uh interviews by Saka and malillo it wasn't by design and it wasn't a, a strategy play more so than it was it just took longer for them to get the um the broadleaf that they both desired because they both obviously are, you, you know, one A one B attributed for Liga Nine and Liga One Fifty Two, um, and and they both, as you as you said, came out with Mikarida and Tabernacle as their entries into Super that. Um, I mean, that could be, but it, it, would have been his. It Liga also 9. could just be, you know, a marketing thing to say. But uh, I think, yeah, that's the narrative. But uh, hmm. I, I feel like it was more of a statement. I see. Yeah, I would. I would think of it that way too. And I. I mean, honestly, I would. I really enjoyed this cigar when it first came out. I still do, uh, and I really liked Sober Mesa when they first came out, uh, and I still like that cigar as well. Um, but I just thought I thought it was a really smart idea on their part. Now, granted, um, I, I feel like you're in the position that they were in, and this is a totally different topic. But uh, they were kind of in a situation like damned if you do, damned if you don't, like. If you come out with their, a new version of that style of cigar, it's like, oh, well, you're just remaking what you already did. Do something new. Right. But right. they do something new, and it's like, oh, why didn't you do it like this? Nobody's ever happy. Right. Especially That's with a good the point. Especially with the freaking internet, man. Everybody has a freaking opinion. Just shut up and smoke the damn cigars. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Get them, Rob. I, I like the Channel. little spunkiness out of the yeah. uh, Robbie there. Lobster. Nice. <laughs> Channeling my inner Sokka there. Um, but let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about about rye whiskey. Uh, I am not a rye connoisseur. Um, I like, Randy, how you said that I have a stronger drinking habit than you. Thank you for that. Um, but uh, I do enjoy rye. My wife is the rye fan, and that's why we have, uh, we actually have some pretty nice rye in the house. Uh, rye whiskey, though, it's, it's basically, by law, it has to be 51% rye in the mash. Um, and so that's kind of like to equate it to cigars, like you have to have a certain amount of Lajero in your blend, like it's the same kind of concept. So you have to have at least 51% rye um, distilled to no more than uh, than uh, 160 proof, which is 80% ABV, uh, aged in uh, charred new oak barrels. So there's kind of specific rules, really. Um, and when it, it goes into the barrels, it can't be more than uh, 125 proof, so 62.5%. Um, and any rye whiskey, this is this I learned this today. Any rye whiskey that's been aged at least two years and not blended with anything else can be called straight rye. I didn't know that. So I'm drinking this Michter's single barrel straight rye. Everything that this, that uh, every bottle of this comes uh, one barrel. It's not blended at all. Um, so total straight rye. Uh, rye has been around forever. It was mainly made uh, when, you know, back in the late 1700s, 1800s. It was mainly made in Pennsylvania and Maryland. So it's kind of, there's like two different styles of rye. There is a, it's the, what's the Pennsylvania style is, let me make sure I get this right. So that one's more spicy. So Pennsylvania style, these were, those were originally made with about 100% rye. Like they didn't really mess around with any corn or anything else. 
it was just right. And I can imagine that's going to be spicy, spicy, spicy. Uh, but anything that's like 80 to 100% is kind of considered that Pennsylvania style. And it's, it's actually named after a city in, I don't know if the city's still there, and I don't know how to say it, so I'm not going to. It's really long. There's a lot of letters, so I'm going to skip it. Monogala, something like that is the name of the style. I didn't realize there were two styles of rye. I learned this today, too. Uh, the Maryland style is going to be on the sweeter side of rye because they're going to use uh, more corn. So those, those are the ones that are kind of like 51% and up. Uh, like Rittenhouse rye is one of the ones that's credited for bringing rye back into fashion. Uh, and that is exactly 51%, or at least it was when it first came back out. I don't know if it still is. Uh, 51% rye. So that's going to be like as close to bourbon uh, as you can get from a rye. The main difference really in flavor, and boys, you can uh, – probably say more to this than I can. Um, but so rye, you're going to get that spicy kind of note. Uh, bourbon is going to be noticeably sweeter, uh, but much more of a full bodied flavor than a rye. So a rye is going to be, I guess when they say full bodied, the rye to me is probably going to be a bit more smooth. It's also going to be spicier, which is kind of weird, right? To say that it's a bit more smooth, but it's a bit spicier. Um, depending on you know, which style it is, whether it's that uh, the Pennsylvania style or the Maryland style. And honestly, I don't know how, how uh, popular those terms are, if they're even really used. But just in the research, I noticed that that was the kind of thing that, uh, that uh, people were saying. But somebody had asked earlier, what's the, the big flavor differences between rye? And I'm going to ask the Colorado boys to jump in and help. But uh, for me, a rye is definitely going to be on the spicier side. Um, I've never really considered the body of the two, frankly. Uh, it's hard for me. My palate isn't really attuned to, to tell you the body of something. Unless I taste them right next to each other, I can say, yeah, that's got a much fuller body. But if I'm tasting a, this whiskey, I'm, I couldn't tell you if this is full body or not. Um, it's, it's definitely spicy. So this, I would imagine, I don't know what the grain bill is on, is on this, but I would imagine it's probably somewhere around 70% rye because it does have a bit more of that spice to it. It's not very sweet. Um, but with uh, the bourbons, you're going to get more of a full-bodied flavor with some sweetness. Any more to add to that? Um, <clears throat> I don't know if I would say there's uh, specifically a difference in body. I mean, you go into, like, the Thomas H. Handy in the antique collection, you're going to have more body in that than just about anything you can get. Uh, Flavor-wise, um, I think, you know, the ryes are going to have, like, a lot of allspice, mint, uh, like, pine kind of flavor sometimes. Um, mm -hmm. Bourbon would be more in the brown sugar realm. And then when you're just saying whiskey, like, typically that there's no there's no standard, so it ends up being, like, corn-heavy. So yep. when it's just whiskey, it's just you're going to get more, like, cereal and corn-type flavors. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I echo that. The the rye, obviously, that's the one that will kind of grab you right away because it's got that zing to it. Whereas, but but again, like sometimes these things morph from one to the other. Like depending on the rye, if, if you guys have tried the Old Forester rye, which is relatively mm. new in the rye world, that is a rye that I think would appeal to a regular bourbon drinker. It's got Absolutely, sweetness yeah. and. And that kind of thing. So sometimes they overlap a little bit, but yeah, I, I think uh, Robbie, what you said is 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 a good way to describe it uh, in generalities. Yes. Yeah, these are these are we're going with a primer, we're going broad strokes here. We can get uh, down into the nitty gritty um, after what. This is only my first one, so maybe after my second or third, we can start hey. uh, pont pontificating on the uh, the differences in, in the delicacies between the two, but. Uh, one thing that I think is is kind of overlooked um, for folks who, who don't really do the cocktail thing, a lot of the classic cocktails that you're used to drinking or that you know of, whiskey sour, Manhattan, old-fashioned, like those were all rye. Those were, those were rye-based cocktails back in the day. That changed. Um, rye kind of disappeared after uh, Prohibition. It didn't really come back until um, like the early 2000s for the most part. I mean, I'm sure there, there were some that, that hung around, but uh, Rittenhouse Rye was really the one that's kind of credited for bringing it back. And that's, I think, like the late 90s, early 2000s when that started. Um, it's, rye is definitely on an uptick. And from everything that I've read, it's mainly on an uptick because you can make it faster. Like a three-year-old rye is going to be pretty good um, compared to uh, bourbon where you're going to want to age that a little bit longer. So it's probably something you can bring it to market faster. Um, 
but uh, that's that's kind of just a primer. We can get into a few more uh, intricacies as we go on, but uh, that's that's the outline. Uh, that's that's great. Those are some great uh, points um, on there. You know, something I think is important to say. You know, for uh, those that haven't uh, either done a distillery tour or done any distilling on their own, for that matter, um, you know the the components of virtually uh, all these whiskeys, and I mean, it's probably a pretty novice thing to say, but but it's it's pretty uh, poignant also to say that like whiskey is a is a general style with multiple different beverages within whiskey, right? So there's bourbon whiskey, there's rye whiskey, there's Irish whiskey, and the biggest variants in be- uh, between them uh, are the the mash bills. And to, to, you mentioned it that you know if it's not rye, it's it's probably <clears throat> corn. Uh, that's making up the difference. If you're only 51% rye, uh, you might be as high as 49% corn. I was about to say, and and so when you look at different whiskeys, you got corn, wheat, malted barley, and malted rye as your, um, as the the things you have to choose from and do a mix. And so different uh, distillers will do, you know, say 10% barley, uh, to you know, forty percent rye to you know, fifty-one percent corn might be a, a, a standard recipe for a, for a bourbon, and so you'll get some different complexities from the different grains that you're adding in. But um, technically speaking, uh, corn, rye, wheat, and barley are all uh, grain cereal grains, uh, technically speaking, and so bourbon is fifty-one percent corn. Uh, now we're learning that rye has to be a minimum of fifty-one percent. Right, so it's it's just the majority of the ingredients is that one. So a whiskey, oh, a whiskey is to cat as a rye is to say cheetah. Jordan, whoa, what? A whiskey is to cat as a cheetah is to say a rye. So it likes a specific so more type. Specific. Type of cat, and yeah. the wheat is the mouse, or uh, no, no. <laughs> How... no, 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 that would be the Irish whiskey, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't feel bad about my analogies anymore. So that was kind of off the, uh, off, off the charts, but and it, it gets into the distilling process too. I mean, you you start talking about Irish whiskey, and they're using pot stills, um, and you know, and this is a column still, yep. And in, in Scotland, they do it one way. And in, in, uh, in Japan, they do it very similar to the way they do it in Scotland. Uh, so it's right. in, in the U.S. is kind of doing it their own way, I guess. I, I, I can't really speak intelligently on the process. I've been through tours and stuff, and it's fun to do. Um, I got go to Scotland and just go to any, just any uh, distilleries that you can. It's just a blast. Um, so much fun to go and watch the process and, and and taste all the different stuff and tasting stuff straight out of the barrel and just realize it just completely blows your palate out because it's so damn strong. Um, it's, uh, it, it's a lot of fun, but, um, yeah, that's kind of, uh, that's kind of the primer. We can, uh, we can chime in on some other stuff. How is, do we have any audience questions popping up or I haven't really been able to see those on my screen. So, uh, uh let me know if, what do you think makes certain bourbons more smooth? Uh, Christopher, Gomes wants to know, you know, Blanton's is so smooth. Man, I couldn't even venture a guess. I honestly have, I, I, I'm, I'm assuming it has something to do with the process and the, the, uh, the grains and stuff that are used. I really have no idea. Yeah, I mean, it's from Buffalo Trace and they have only really a couple of mash bills. I would think it's mostly to do with the barrel picks. Probably and the blending and yeah, and I, I would I would say the center of the was, warehouse not getting extreme as extreme, yeah, elements. But I, I think that really gets as far as Blanton's goes. That gets down to the guy that's picking those barrels. Like you know, they can that those years and years of experience. They pick those barrels that match the Blanton's profile in Buffalo Trace, and that's why those particular ones. That's true so too, smooth, but I know. feel like what I was saying is he yeah. would be picking those barrels. Right, so it's a combination the, of those two, two yeah, items. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, all all of it is true, right? That, like, like there there's only so, so many techniques that, that are going into it. From the barrel selecting, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, all alcohols, um, uh, similar to tobaccos, soften with age. 
Uh, so, you, you know, some of the smoothness that you'll sometimes depict can be uh, attributed to age. It can be attributed to the ingredients. Corn is going to give you that sweeter, more round character. Uh, so, so the percentages of corn obviously uh, could play a role in there. Wheat is also something that's attributed to softness. Uh, you know, and, and a lot of those things are parallels with beer. You know, when we when we brew with wheat or with rye and beer, we also reference the softness and the spiciness uh, coming from the wheat and rye, respectively. And so, uh, so the it, yeah, it's 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 all those things co- combined and end up attributing to to that final uh, finished character. And and the point about the blending, guys, and and you know, to uh, Rob's point about uh, rye being a straight rye has to be a single barrel by definition. Most spirits, uh, just like most wines, you're trying, uh, you know, your bottle of wine may have been contributed to by 50 different barrels of of wine that, you know, some ended up slightly stronger. Again, their placement in the warehouse and the humidity, uh, some may have concentrated slightly more than um, others given any heat variances um but uh, but that that's the beauty of a blender in both a winery and a distillery is that that they've got all these different kind of flavor contributors that are coming from the different barrels and they've got to blend uh different portions to end up with that signature uh brand flavor that you're looking for hey jordan hey, put that oh put well, that, i was just gonna wait, say hey jordan put hey, that, oh hey wait a minute <laughs> jordan <laughs> Put that question, that first question. I was going I was just going to ask Ro- Robbie. Oh, go ahead. What yeah. what uh, qualities make a bad whiskey? I've got opinions, but I want to hear. I want to hear Rob's first. Um, before can I can I make a comment before we do this because I don't want to lose it. No. Uh, Randy, you were talking about how uh, you're bl- they're they're taking these you know thirty to forty different barrels and all going into one different bottle and with uh, to to maintain the the flavor profile maintain that consistency and we were talking about this last week with dion and do kind of the same thing in cigars because the product changes from year to year you're talking about where these barrels are in the warehouse he's talking about how much sun this particular leaf is getting how much rain was there that year so that's what's really beautiful at least in in my opinion for and why i'm kind of drawn to these these uh products uh vices if you will cigars and uh and whiskey, beer. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, of, of uh, romance in it, but there's that idea of well, we have to make this year's. No, he's not. I'm doing just fine. <laughs> Although I, like, I did just refer to myself in the third person. So once that starts, you know it's going to be weird. It was the glugging sound of your when you made that pour. It was just like you popped the cap it's off. It's like, like bloop, and then you poured it. And it was like glug, glug, glug. I barely put anything in there. There's like nothing. In there. Uh, it's like a one finger pour, but, uh, cause I want to do it again. I like the, the, the theatricality of it. Yes. Uh, theatricality and deception are powerful weapons. Um, mm? anyway, Batman reference, I get lost. No, oh, but, but, but uh, yeah, that was the point that I wanted to make about you want these cigars to be consistent year to year. And I know, uh, Nick Perdomo was talking about that too. Yep. It's you, you have a certain expectation of what these cigars are going to be. You don't realize the average customer doesn't realize that. You can have a cigar that's like two boxes next to each other on the shelf, and there's a year in difference between those two boxes. And you wouldn't know until you taste them. And even then, you really probably wouldn't even be able to tell that well because they're, they're expertly blended to taste the same. What makes a bad whiskey is an empty bottle. Perfect answer. <laughs> uh, so, Eric, you said you had so, some uh, thoughts on what makes a bad whiskey. Let's, uh, let's hear what, what rules a whiskey out of your rotation. Right. So here's the thing. You you'll you'll always get like people like giving you whiskey that's usually a local like, "Oh man, here, here this is uh this is local to our area. You got to try it. You got to try it. You got to try it." And first of all, A, I totally appreciate those offers and I love it and I always try it and I I don't want to downplay the the free whiskey, which is great. Like free whiskey You're is jerk. is You're great. Such a jerk. No, I know. I'm just hey, <laughs> the good. question was asked and I want to try to answer it in my opinion usually nine out of ten times local whiskeys taste like corn and to me that is that is the that is the one sort of uh characteristic about a whiskey that i don't like like if it tastes too much like corn 
I don't typically like that. What do you think, Jordan? Uh, yeah, it's usually too young or like um, oh. in these larger batches, they have less uh, time to take care to get the good barrels. So what you have, they call them like green barrels. You know, you're getting these like underdeveloped barrels added into all the good barrels. And yeah, that's that's going to be most of it. Yeah, well, I mean, some, to me, if it's... If, go ahead. Well, something else that uh, 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 Jordan said uh, of the taste of ethanol, you know, to, to me, when uh, any spirit is off-putting is when it's got that sharp edge to it. It's it's hot. It has that higher fusel alcohol, almost like uh, jet fuel kind of kind of character that really detracts on your palate from being able to um, to really pick up the nuance, you know, flavors of the charred oak of some sweet corn character, right? You know, Which is say, weird because, like, sorry, just to add on, like, yeah, it's, it's not good. just the heat. Like, you, you go get a George T. Stag and it's 140 proof. You're not, it's mm -hmm. it's great, right? It's not like we're not saying like the alcohol strength is high, right? You know, it's just it's that hot like that it's ethanol it, uh, yeah. character. I've always I've always thought of it as the way that it's treated. And that's just in my head. I just this is the way I I, I make it up for myself. And that's exactly, Randy, what I would have said. If it's too hot, and hot is the term that I'll use, uh, and it doesn't always reflect the amount of alcohol that's in there. I mean, you can have exactly. something that's that's barrel-proof, and barrel-proof means, for the most part, that it's not kind of watered down, uh, quote-unquote, to meet a certain uh, uh, percentage of alcohol. It's just, it, this is what it comes out of the barrel at. So a single barrel is usually going to be barrel-proof for the most part. Uh, but, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, to me, you can have some really high ABV, some cask strength stuff that is still pretty smooth, That's still right. super smooth. Right. But it's got, you know, 15 percent, 20 percent more alcohol than uh, than it's in a different version. But it doesn't have that hot taste to right. it. To me, right. I've always thought of it as it, there's that heat and it's just like they just kind of it just feels rushed. Like when you yeah. smoke a cigar and it tastes young, right. no. but you know, like six months, it's going to be a 94. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's well, interesting because to me, like, I feel like bourbon, just the amount of time it takes, the, the they're building so much on history that you can't, it's much harder to go find an unknown distillery out there and, and get actual good whiskey than it is craft beer. You go like around the corner and you're, you might just happen to find something surprisingly good. That doesn't happen with whiskey. That's that's a fair point. You guys have a pretty nice uh, local distillery, Stranahan's. That stuff's pretty good. Yeah, we, good. we actually do have good. a few good distilleries. But even that being said, like really, the the really good ones, there's like like ten, and they're out of all out of Kentucky. Yeah, is it the water? It, that's. I think, I think it's the experience. experience yeah. yeah, it's like the experience and the climate. Well, and you know, I mean, so much of it is fermentation. It's why I'm I'm drawn to all these vices, uh, as you put it, Rob. Is uh, is beer is the same way. I posted a beer I think last night um, that uh, it's a 14% quadruple hazy IPA. Um, one would say it's not even a real thing, but uh, but but that's that one is could one could, could say. say. Could if one were so inclined. <laughs> so no, that that's that's a big part of it, and and it comes into fermentation for beer, for uh, spirits, for wine, for tobacco. That if you're not very careful with your fermentation, that you know a slower process will um, keep the natural microflora uh, that that's uh, you know Whoa, doing geez, the fermenting. That's a heck of a word. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, well, the biggest word we've ever had on the show. There's microflora, but is there microfauna? Oh, of course there is, but but it's not. Do it's you want not, a fauna? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but but that's the thing, like especially in beer, because uh, and I'll stick to what I know best is, uh, you know, your fermentation practices, your temperature, your your uh, your sugar levels in beer to get a really high ABV that doesn't have that fusel alcohol that in beer at least will come off as uh, have a nail polish uh, aroma or, or character to it. There's literally different alcohols that can be produced in, uh, in distilling. It's why you throw away the heads and the tails because ethanol is what you're going for. But at certain temperature ranges, other alcohols are being extracted and distilled out. And so 
The lower temperature alcohols are the heads during the distilling process. And you, so you throw out all that first uh, alcohol that's coming out that's not ethanol. And then once you exceed your, your temperature, then you get the tails and you're, you're drawing out other alcohols that, again, can be jet fuel-like or, or nail polish-like. They're very unpleasant. They're sharp. That's, too, that's why and, it's so scary to distill yourself. I've wa- always wanted to, but I just don't want to kill myself. Is, is it even legal? It, I think it, it is it, now. Like it, certain amounts, it never right? was. But it, it, it's, a tax, it's, it's taxation been, that, uh, that creates the illegality. The like you can go to like it, your not local brew store and buy the stuff to distill. Mm. It's not. So I so I worked at homebrew shops for years and years that sold distilling uh, things, and I actually had a guy that like was trying to create a nano distillery, and he was in the kind of startup phase, and so he wasn't he wasn't bonded yet, and he called the local police department, and he told them, listen, this is what I'm doing. I don't want any trouble. I got my family here, but I'm doing this in my garage, and I just want to make sure that I'm legal. And the police department asked him, okay, well, what's what's the volume you're distilling? This, that, it had some questions. And they got to the end and said, yeah, just don't call the police department and you should be fine. (laughs) 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 But but ultimately, uh, if you make alcohol, the the U.S. government expects their uh, expects their taxes. And so it's more of a taxation law than it is. uh, It's not a criminal uh, act at all to distill. Spirits. Guys, Hold what do you think tax, about this? Tax evasion is criminal. Next year, I, I think I'll I'll start growing some tobacco and just like cure oh. it and do like the whole thing. See how far I can get. I think you should prime it. I, it. I don't know how I'd ferment it. I need to like squish it in like some sort of a press or something. I was I was about to say with a press you could probably pull it off. Um, then I I've take it. Some, I fly it out to El Titan de Bronze and I say. <laughs> Have them roll, roll it this. Up. There's a I lot of people that grow their own tobacco. I don't think it goes that well. No, but let's <laughs> let's see how this goes. <laughs> I, this this sounds Z. like we we can have a uh, a weekly update from from Jordan on his on his growing process. I've tried I'm, to grow totally tobacco cool. twice, Robbie, and <clears throat> I just cannot get past like the seedling stage. Why why don't we all just grow weed? <laughs> well, that's the interesting thing is how come. You don't see too much tobacco being yeah, treated in that same style, like like hydroponically, like, you know, let's recreate whatever the exact climate that we want. I guess there's I not enough, there's it's not it's enough a, money a, in it. It's, I was about to say it's <laughs> yield true. per square foot yeah. is, is probably the, the bottom line to that. Yeah, I still want to see it. Fair enough. I, I think you should do it. I, you, uh, you have my support. <laughs> my, full, my full support Randy how is it that you know all of this about distilling and you still manage to come up with the phrase scotch dot 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 that's the smoky one right uh, because <laughs> because my passion took me as far as to make spirits and distillates uh, over the years uh, and get interested in their ingredients and the process uh, while the um palette for the finished goods has evaded me and i just haven't spent the time to acclimate my palate to to really appreciate some of those things but the process and it's why it's why i like to geek out on this stuff you know it's it's the process it's why you know when we talk about corojo well i love talking about the flavors that are recognizable and distinguished between jalapa and esteli if, if you're talking about the same varietal I'm more interested in, you know, what is Corojo, where to come from, uh, you know, what is the meaning of, of Criollo, why is Cuba so um, ingrained in the history of tobacco, and so that's that's where my passion takes me as far as, like, my, my personal time study, uh, which, yeah. You're like me when it comes to uh, superhero movies. I like the origin story. I want to know how they became right, a superhero. Right, right. I don't really care what they do after that. Exactly. Yeah, Robbie, that is such a good story. point. That is, that's that's a, a great good analogy. Point. Yeah, it's always the best. Always the best. So um, that, that being said. Which is why they come out with a new Spider-Man every three years. That's more the acting, I think. Because we don't care about the rest. We want to know how he became Spider-Man again and again and again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we, we get it. He's going to fight a villain. He'll lose first. Restart and it. he'll. He, he'll, got, he'll, he got bit by a spider. We get it. We get it. I love it. 
so so if I if I could share a little knowledge that, that I was able to hunt down. Uh, are we ready for that, Rob? Can I get into that? We are an hour into the show, Randy. You can talk about whatever the hell you want to. Eventually, right. we're going to have to talk about the pairing. Uh, fair enough. Um, I referenced this uh, article because... Before you get started, Jordan, I'm going to pour another glass. Can I get a split screen, please? Thank you. <laughs> it's the noise. It's the noise. It's great. The squeaking. The Listen for it. The glugging. Nice. Did I, I didn't hear a glug that time. Nice. Hey, oh, that was... a. Phenomenal. I, I feel like soccer right now. Hey, hey Rob, you mind if Phenomenal. I join you on the Michter strip here? <laughs> Phenomenal. Yeah, let's talk about the pairing. Anyway, I I, I was saying that uh, Lewis was the one who turned me on to Michter's, and uh, he had just he posted like this lineup of Michter's and a lineup of Old Forester, and like which which is best. And I was like, well, I had some of the Old Forester, I had none of the Michter's, and that's what really prompted me to try it. Kind of an anticlimactic story considering people were waiting for it. But anyway, that's where we were. Uh, Randy, I know you want to talk a little bit more about uh, this process or the leaf. Can you uh, be concise? No. So uh, we'll go ahead. <laughs> we'll do it next week. Yeah, we'll do it next week. That's kind of the beauty of doing four straight weeks of Corojo. Uh, we can get back to that. I think this was a uh, fun episode where we dove a little deeper into the rye and into the, the whole whiskey family and distillation process. So I, so I think that was a all really fun uh, information that we got to kind of hear about. And thank you for all your diligent research. And so we can go ahead and, uh, and wrap this up with um, the pairing notes and thoughts um, as, uh, as I'm already the self proclaimed novice on, uh, on whiskey. I'd love to hear what you guys have to say and see if I can just uh, bridge off of, off of that. So for me, the intensity um, is, is pretty well spot on. I, I was worried that this, uh, this rye, this Michter straight rye, was going to run over the cigar a little bit. Because um, anytime you're drinking a spirit straight, at least for me, I'll speak for myself, it can be kind of um, palate overwhelming, if, uh, if that's a term. I don't know if it is. It is now. Um, and it can be something where it's like, I... I like I taste, I taste the whiskey, I taste the, the flavors that I'm getting from that whiskey, but I can't really taste anything else. Uh, and this is the first time we've done a whiskey on the show, so I, I, I'm glad that we spent the bulk of our time talking about it. So that's, we'll, we'll do it again when we, we do a bourbon, and then when we do scotch, we'll probably do a, an Irish whiskey, Japanese whiskey too. So uh, that's all going uh, to come in later episodes. But for me, I was surprisingly uh, happy with the intensity. Randy, did you feel the same way? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, neither of them run over each other. I did. I will go out, go ahead and say, well, Eric thinks it's blasphemy. I added a single um, uh, ball of ice no! to, to mine. As, as, uh, <laughs> it's okay, Randy. Uh, I, I, I do feel that the, the, the ice uh, actually opens it up a little bit, makes it a little bit more aromatic. It does soften some of that heat. To and, a certain uh, extent, you're not wrong. I mean, to a certain extent, I'm exactly right. But, but you know, say it however you'd like. Um, and so, uh, <laughs> so the intensity is is great. You know, I, I was able to enjoy the flavors of the cigar and both the rye. Um, you know, the spiciness. Uh, I'll just stick with it um, uh, on the flavor hook. You know, that there is a. Agreed. Uh, a caramel charred, uh, you know, oaky characteristic that I think goes really well with the cedar and spicy notes of the tobacco. And I think that rye and Nicaraguan tobacco make uh, for a very nice pairing myself. And um, uh, I'll run all the way to the end, actually, and, and just say that for me, this was an absolute thumbs up. And uh, this is, I think, the first time I've actually paired this cigar with a rye whiskey. And it won't be the last, man. This is uh, exceptional. Agreed. I will say thumbs up as well. For me, the flavor hook was definitely the spice. Um, and I know it's it, we can be kind of spice is a vague term. Um, mm -hmm. There's but when you're when you taste this rye or any rye, you get that there's just a spiciness to it. And I have a hard time putting my finger on what exactly that is. And I'm, I'm hesitant to put a label on it other than spice because it's it's got a bit of a bite to All it. All spice, um, baby. 
Yeah, there's, but yeah, there, there's an allspice, like a, a flavor cabinet spice thing. There's almost even like a little bit of a, maybe a cinnamon note that's probably coming from the cigar. Yep. Um, but that is, is really working. It, it, they just kind of intermingle so well on that spice character side. There's a little bit of sweetness coming from the cigar. Not a lot. A little bit of sweetness coming from the rye. Again, not a lot. Rye isn't really known for sweetness. Um, but it is, uh, it is very, it's, this was a perfect, I don't know what to say perfect pairing. It was very, very good. I wonder if bourbon would have been better to pull a little bit more of that sweetness, but you're going to lose some of that spice. I don't know. We'll have to, uh, maybe we'll try that down the road and see what happens. But yeah, I definitely, it's a thumbs up for me and a very enthusiastic one in that, oh. uh, boys, uh, I, Colorado contingent. I think it's one of the better pairings we've done. Oh yeah. I mean, for, mm. for Jordan and I, we went, we had a different uh, pairing. We went with the, uh, Camacho distillery edition, Corojo. uh, Corojo, and then, uh, the double rye from high West and fantastic pairing. I can't say anything bad about this pairing and maybe bourbon i kind of go with robbie in the sense that maybe bourbon would have be. been a little bit better but not much i don't know if it would though. i don't i can't say that it it's would it's tough but, though because yeah. i think that that's spice the extra sweetness the extra sweetness would have been nice but you lose the spice right. so yeah. maybe that yeah. that flavor hook is gone then and then you're just left with two components that don't really jibe so mostly mostly uh, some sort of spice between the two is, is the hook and then and i'd say caramel next up and then yep. the intensity was just exactly spot on. Yeah. Uh, and to Randy, I I don't think I'm not gonna say it's bad to add some water to open up your whiskey, just not ice. Because anytime you're cooling the whiskey, the colder your whiskey is, the less flavor you'll get. So that's just like beer. I yeah, no, no, I would just add a you know just a little bit of water instead. Okay, but I'll give that a try going forward. Thank you for that. That would actually be kind of a fun um, thing. And if you go to distilleries, at least in the ones I visited in Scotland, we did tastings where you'd, they'd pour you a little, a little dram in one of those uh, uh, Glencairn glasses. I probably should have used one of those. And you, you take a few sips, and then they add a drop of water. You take a few more sips, a couple of drops of water, and you, you kind of see it. It does really, uh, quote, unquote, open up the flavor a little bit, take out a little bit of the edge off and make it a bit more approachable. Um, so that could be a fun exercise to do, maybe on a uh, on a during a wild card episode or something. Mm. Oh yeah, but, oh, I like uh, that. Yeah, that could be that could be fun. Um, boys, what's coming up uh, on Friday with Smoke Night Live? So Friday we have the entire Espinosa Premium Cigars team. Not only do we have Alpha Dog himself, Eric Espinosa, but we have his son Eric Jr. and of course Hector, the master blender, which will be fun. That's the three of them. But then. Add in Jack Tarano and Richie Otero. It's the entire Espinosa crew on Smoke Night Live Friday. It's going to be a hoot. It's going to be a phenomenal. Hoot. Yeah, phenomenal. What, what is what is a hoot nanny? Hoot nanny. I think that's sort of like a hoot, but you're dancing. You know, it's like a hoot, but you throw in some dancing. That the nanny part nice. is the dancing. The hoot nanny. Hoot nanny. It's it's like yeah. cats anyway. Bags you get a little situation. shuffle. <laughs> <laughs> you're not, yeah, you're you're uh, you're pretty you're pretty close with that one, I think. Uh, Randy, what do we have next week? I know what we're drinking, but I'm not yes. sure. What we're... Yeah, so we'll go ahead and uh, open up the um, the rest of the Corojo uh, announcement right now. Um, next week we are going to uh, we did a pivot actually. Uh, originally we were going to be smoking one of my favorite Aganorsa leaf. Uh, Corojo Forward Cigars, which is the uh, Buena Cosecha. Uh, but given the uh, opportunity, since we do this show live and we, we can pivot whenever the heck we want, uh, Aganor Salif has come out with a brand new cigar uh, in their lunatic line called Torch that, um, that you and I spoke about. And we, we believe that it fits uh, what we do here on Flavor Odyssey so well as it has a uh, half inch or so of open foot. Uh, so there's no uh, Corojo 99 wrapper on the first half inch. So you can really get a sense of the bunch of the, the filler and binder and uh, and taste the transition as you get to that Corojo 99 wrapper. And uh, obviously you and I spoke about this being a uh, great opportunity to really drive home that, that Corojo, that Nicaraguan Corojo 99 character as it's... Um, as you're smoking through that. So I'm excited about that one. It's about a six week old cigar right now. Um, and so we will be smoking the 
Uh, now, when I say six week old, obviously it's much older tobacco, but it was just released six weeks ago. But uh, but we are going to uh, smoke the lunatic torch and try a cocktail that uh, that you are introducing to the show uh, that I'm not at all familiar with. If you want to tell us the name of that. I will. Um, it's funny when you say uh, six week old. I just, it just, it, you make it sound like it's a, like a newborn. newborn. <laughs> like it's an infant. Yeah, you're, I know you're in that, uh, you're, you're probably in that mindset where you think things and how. Yeah. Uh, oh, he's, Sorry about uh, that. he's, yeah. I don't know why that it's, 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 a, it's a relatively new cigar. It's 52 weeks old. Uh, you know. Anyway, uh, so we are going to pair that with a cocktail, Randy, one of my personal favorites uh, called an old Cuban. It is um, uh, an aged rum, dark aged rum-based cocktail. Uh, there's some mint. There's some sparkling wine. Uh, you will see the, uh, the the full the full description of this cocktail is going to come up on a uh, in the dojo here relatively soon, sometime next week. That's a heck of um, a cocktail, boys. It's it is. Oh my uh, goodness! Especially if you get uh, go to like uh, Casa Fuente in Vegas and get it. Yeah, it's it's. It's it's a nice drink. It's a little it's a little labor intensive to make as far as cocktails are concerned, but uh, I mean because there's some mint in there, you're muddling limes, yada yada. What's but the uh, effervescent quality? What's is there like champagne in that thing or what's what's it's, in that? Uh, yeah, it does sparkling wine. It doesn't have to be champagne. It could be anything. But uh, like I usually go with like a like a barefoot bubbly or something that's like five or six dollars a bottle because I'm mixing it with other stuff. It's not really a flavor Just component. Giving it that it, yeah, it it adds a bit of flavor and a bit of uh, a bit of dryness to it uh, to offset some of the sweetness because there's simple syrup in there as well. So um, I'll, uh, you guys will see. There's, I've, I've got a post coming up. Jordan's going to edit that this weekend because he's an awesome guy. <laughs> and we'll post it next week, and you guys can uh, check all that out. Oh, also, um, real quick, let me add this in. Uh, that Torch Cigar that you mentioned, we yeah. will be reviewing tomorrow morning if you want to Beautiful. Get it. Look at the time on that. It's like we planned it even though we totally didn't. <laughs> That's true. Like we really totally didn't. We should just take credit for it. I shouldn't have said that. Rob, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we keep it. I really like the concept of leaving that little bit of open foot for, and that's just because I'm like a cigar nerd, right? Like I, I want it. It's, it's a cool experience to taste that. Like I'd even like a little bit more. Like give me a full inch yeah. of open foot and and then throw that wrapper on there and then i can really see how it how the wrapper imparts that flavor and it's interesting because and we'll get into this more next week because we're gonna wrap it up but like dion was talking about the corojo wrapper as something that he kind of uses to show everything else off and we talked about that a little bit during the show which i thought was interesting but these the rest of these cigars i think really highlight the wrapper in and of itself so having this cigar is really going to drive that point home um, not that one is better than the other, but you can use it both ways. It's it's a very uh, uh, flexible uh, utility wrapper, I guess. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like a utility player, he can play first, second, third. He can catch in an emergency. He'll even pitch a few innings if you're losing by 14 runs. You know, it's, he's, it's like that. It's perfect. Absolutely perfect. So that's next week. Randy, the, the torch, the, lunatic torch. Lunatic torch, that's right. Yep. And, uh, and an old Cuban cocktail. Uh, so go out this weekend, buy some aged rum, aged dark rum, go with like a Diplomatico is very good, Ron Zacapa, something like that. Um, uh, Zaya is another one that's kind of uh, budget friendly. Uh, uh, did you say Florida Kanye? Sorry. Uh, Florida Kanye as well. Florida Kanye 7 would be perfect. Um, get some limes, get some sugar, get some mint leaves, and a cheap bottle of bubbly. And I'll tell you how to make that into a fantastic cocktail. So that's next week. Thanks again for everybody for hanging out. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, talking whiskey. We'll do it more as uh, the season progresses. Uh, apologies for uh, dropping off there. But uh, somebody said that uh, the Facebook police were worried that Randy was going to put everybody to sleep with his next description <laughs> of, the, of the leaf. So that wasn't from me. That was from Hall of Famer Kevin Acuff. You can take it up with him. Um, <laughs> Randy, you hate me so much. Randy, look at his face. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking a lot of grief this week from this team. I'll, I'll be honest. <laughs> no, I, I really, I really want to hear this because I haven't read this article yet, and I would like to. I've been trying to read it since Randy found this random uh, oh. one, uh, one copy of this magazine on freaking eBay, 
16-year-old uh, anyway. issue of a magazine is going to drive the, a lot of information next week. You guys are going to want to tune in. Ooh, teaser next week. So we'll see you guys next Wednesday. Randy, I still love you. Uh, we'll see you guys next Wednesday. Everybody have a great week. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Try to relax. Enjoy yourself this weekend. We'll catch you guys next Wednesday's Odyssey continues.